when things will be repaired. They'll be made right. They'll be fixed. And so when he preaches like this, and it is often, he is doing eschatological preaching. He was a preacher of the now and the not yet. Now I want to pivot for just a minute. And I want to say that there are three areas in my life, my, so my life story, where I really felt like I was living in the midst of the now and the not yet. When I was 11, 12 years old, my mother married, uh, my parents divorced, and my mother remarried to a man who she's still married to. Uh, he, he was, you know, I lived with him for about six years, my teenage years, and it didn't go well. We had sort of a conflictual relationship. And as, in fact, some of you may know this about me, but I moved out when I was a senior in high school. I, I spent my senior year in Oklahoma because I wanted to get out of that situation. And so for five years or so, I was just waiting to get out of the house. Now, that's not an uncommon experience for teenagers. It's pretty common. Um, but because I didn't get, get along with my stepfather, I was waiting to be out of that situation, and I jumped the gun. In fact, I wouldn't be telling you the story if I was 95% sure that ne neither he nor my mother listened to my sermons. <laughs> Maybe they will this day. When I was in my mid to late 20s, there was a period of about two to three years where I was suffering what I think now would, could easily be diagnosed as clinical depression. And I remember trying to pray my way out of it. I, I, went, I did talk therapy, I took medication, and I, it just seemed like it would never end. It was very much a now and the not yet experience. Eventually I did sort of come out of that and but I remember in the, in the moment just thinking, is this ever going to stop? Is this ever going to end? And then thirdly, in my 30s, I had a job in Shawnee uh, down the road, uh, First Baptist Church, and I had a, a, a working relationship with a colleague who for all intensive purposes, he and I should have been really close, good friends but we just couldn't get along for, for reasons that just completely befuddled me. I didn't understand why he and I didn't get along. I kind of do now, but I won't get into that. But that was like essentially a 10-year period where I was in a working situation where it, there was a now and something I was hoping for that it would happen, the now and the not yet. This is what the season of Advent is. And yes, on sort of a larger like church level, we are remembering the people who were waiting and anticipating this branch of David that would, would, would arrive, that the prophet Jeremiah promised in the reading today. People were waiting, anticipating. We remember that. But I'm more interested today in you. And what are the situations in your life, perhaps right now, where you find yourself waiting for a shift and a change to happen. That you want to happen. That you're stuck in something that you don't want to continue to be in. That you're anticipating, I'll dare say it, a movement of the Spirit of God in your life that puts you in a better place. The now and the not yet. The prophet Jeremiah we read this morning, there is a passage in Jeremiah that is probably, you know, part of the Bible's greatest hits. It's 
if I'm going to say it here in a second, and you're probably going to recognize it, uh, but it's always taken out of its context, which is a good thing, and I'll explain why. But it's Jeremiah 29, 11, and it goes like this. Surely you know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to pro prosper you and to give you hope. Isn't that pretty? God has a plan for you. And it's not bad. It's good. And it's, it's, it's your whole future. You, you can't see around the corner. But God has this thing planned for you, and it's, it's amazing. Well, again, taken out of context. <laughs> if you look at the verse that precedes it, just the sentence that precedes it, it's the prophet Jeremiah writing a letter to kids, to teenagers, most likely, who had been taken as slaves by the nation of Babylon, drugged out of their home, and taken to a strange land, a foreign, a foreign land, a foreign context, and be forced to work in that new place, to learn a new language and new customs. And he says to them in the letter, if you will just wait 70 years and be in the situation that you're in, then I will come to you and I will rescue you. Because surely you know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. How long are they supposed to wait? Seventy years? Are you kidding me? If you receive that kind of a letter from a prophet, and the letter's supposed to be an encouragement to you, that is not an encouragement. How old are you going to be when 70 years from now? Don't say it. I'm going to be dead. And so it sort of raises the question, what is the prophet Jeremiah really trying to get at with these people? In fact, if you crawl back up into the context even deeper in the paragraphs before, he says to these kids who have been put in this situation, this now and the not yet, he says, look, be present in the situation that you're in. Get married, have kids, in fact, he even says, have grandkids. Plant gardens, buy property, invest in the people where you live now. Like, grow where you're planted. But he's saying this to people who are in a, in a, in a situation of oppression and injustice. And I think this is incredibly fraught for us as readers of the Bible because in my estimation, and I don't think I'm wrong here, when you come across a situation, whether it's an individual or a larger, larger context or even something cultural where there's oppression and injustice, our first response, our first desire for action should, should be to try to repair the injustice, to fix the thing. And yet Jeremiah is saying, not yet. Be in it for a while. And so to do kind of that responsible interpretation and application of sacred texts and to ask the question, what situations is it the right thing to say, this is something that you should endure for now, but that around the corner and around the bend, God has something greater for you. Not something that's going to harm you, but give you a future and a hope. 
Biblical scholars and theologians call this, this is a tension. It's a fight. It's a struggle between two ideas. And they call it it's between loyalty to the situation you're in and being subversive in the situation you're in. I think all of us, because this is primarily an adult crowd, understand what it means to play along, to get along. Wait, what's the phrase? Play along to get along. In the moment, do I play along to get along here or do I stand up and subversively resist? And Jeremiah is saying to them, at least in this moment, you're going to mostly play along to get along. So where does that leave us in this season of Advent? I think this is recognizing one that most of us know how to read the room. Whether it's a, a micro situation in your life that you're having to endure, or it's a larger one in the culture that you're having to endure, that you're frustrated, that you want it to be fixed and repaired, but it's not. We have the ability to recognize the change of the seasons, as Jesus says. What we don't know how to do is how to react in those moments. What, I see that there's something significant happening, but what am I supposed to do? It's here that I think that we should lean into the teachings of our, our patron Saint Paul when he says, be filled with the Spirit and let the fruits of the Spirit grow in your life. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So when you're in the now and the not yet, and you've recognized it and you acknowledge it, but you're trying to decide what it is am I, that I'm supposed to do, I think returning to those fruits of God's Spirit and asking how could those things be manifest in my life in my situation right now, that will begin to give us the clue to how it is that God wants us to be in those moments. And when we do that, it's then that we can trust that we are living into a larger plan, one that doesn't want to harm us, but wants to give us a future and a hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.